Concept 7.4. During oxidative phosphorylation, chemiosis couples electron transport to ATP synthesis. Our main objective in this chapter is to learn how cells harvest the energy of glucose and other nutrients in food to make ATP, but the metabolic components of respiration we have dis dissected so far, glycolysis and the citric acid cycle, produce only four ATP molecules per glucose mo molecule, all by substrate-level phosphorylation. Two net ATP from glycolysis and two from the citric acid cycle. And th at this point, the molecules of NADH and FADH account for most of the energy extracted from the glucose. These electrons escort these electron escorts link glycolysis and the citric acid cycle to the machinery of oxidative phosphorylation, which uses energy released by the electron transport train to power ATP synthesis. In this section, you will learn first how the electron transport chain works, and then how electron flow down the chain, and then how electron flow down the chain is coupled to ATP synthesis. The electron transport chain is a collection of molecules embedded in the inner membrane of the mitochondrion and eukaryotic cells. In prokaryotes, these molecules reside in the plasma membrane. The folding of the inner membrane to form cristae increases its surface area, providing space for thousands of copies of the chain and each mitochondrion. Once again, we will see that the structure fits function. The unfolded membrane, with its placement of electron carrier molecules in the chain, one after the other, is well suited to the series of sequential redox reactions that take place along the chain. Most components of the chain are proteins, which exist in multi-pro routine complexes numbered 1 through 4, tightly bound, and these proteins are prosthetic groups, non-protein components essential for the catalytic functions of certain enzymes. Figure 7.12 shows the sequence of electron carriers in the electron transport chain and the drop in free energy as electrons travel down the chain. During electron transport, Along the chain, electron carriers alternate between reduced and oxidized states as they accept and donate electrons. Each component of the chain becomes reduced when it accepts electrons from its uphill neighbor, which has a lower affinity for electrons, is less electronegative. It then returns to its oxidized form as it passes electrons to its downhill, more electronegative neighbor. Now let's take a look at the electron transport chain in figure 7.12. We'll first describe the passage of electrons through complex 1 in some detail as illustration of the general principles involved in electron transport. Electrons removed from glucose by NAD plus during glycolysis in the citric acid cycle are transferred from NADH to the first molecule of the electron transport chain in complex 1. This molecule is called flavoprotein, so named because it has a prosthetic group called flavin monocleotide, FMN. In the next redox reaction, the flavoprotein returns to its oxidized form as it passes electrons to an iron sulfate, sulfur protein, Fe times S in complex one. One of the family of proteins with both iron and sulfur tightly bound. The iron of the iron sulfur protein then passes the electrons to a compound called eu 
xenon Q in figure 7.12. This electron car carrier is a small hydrophobic molecule, the only member of the electron transport chain that is not a protein. Ubiquinone is an individually is an is individually mobile within the membrane rather than residing in a particular complex. Another name for ubiquinone is coenzyme Q or COQ. You may have seen it sold as a nutritional supplement. Most of the remaining electron carriers have ubiquinone and oxygen are proteins called cytochromes. Their prosthetic group, called a heme group, hemogroup, heme, hema, has an iron atom that accepts and donates electrons. It is similar to the hemogroup in hemoglobin, the protein of red blood cells, except that the iron in the hemoglobin carries oxygen, not electrons. The electron transport chain has different types of cytochromes, each a different protein with slightly different electrons on carrying hemogroup. The last cytochrome of the chain, site A3, passes its electrons to oxygen, which is very electronegative. Each oxygen atom also picks up a pair of hydrogen ions from the aqueous solution, forming water. Another source of electrons for the transport chain is FADH2, the reduced product of the citric acid cycle. Notice in figure 7.12, 7.12, that FADH2 adds its electrons to the electron transport chain from within complex 2 at a lower energy level than NADH does. Consequently, although NADH and FADH2 each donate an equivalent number of electrons, 2 for oxygen reduction, the electron transport chain provides about one-third less energy for ATP synthesis when the electron donor is FADH squared, FADH2, rather than NADH. We'll see why in the next section. The electron transport chain makes no ATP directly. Instead, it eases the fall of electrons from food to oxygen, breaking a large free energy drop into a series of smaller steps that release energy in manageable amounts. How does the mitochondrion, or the prokaryotic plasma membrane, couple this electron transport and energy release to ATP synthesis? The answer is a mechanism called chemiomosis. Chemiomosis, the energy coupling mechanism. Populating the inner membrane of the mitochondrion, the prokaryotic plasma membrane, are many copies of a protein complex called ATP synthase, the enzyme that actually makes ATP from ADP an inorganic phosphate. ATP synthase works like an ion pump running in reverse. Ion pumps usually use ATP as an energy source to transport ions, ions against their gradients. In fact, the proton pump shown in figure 5.16 is an ATP synthase. Enzymes can catalyze a reaction in yet either direction, depending on the delta G for the reaction which is affected by the local concentrations of reactants and, produ and products. Rather than hydrolyzing ATP to pump protons against their gra concentration gradient under the conditions of cellular respiration, ATP synthase uses the energy of an existing ion graduation gradient to power ATP synthesis. The power source for the ATP synthase is a difference in the concentration 
of H plus on the outside on an opposite sides of the inner mitochondrial membrane. We can also think of this gradient as a difference in pH, since pH is a measure of hydrogen plus concentration. This process, in which energy stored in the form of a hydrogen ion gradient across a membrane is used to drive cellular work, such as the synthesis of ATP, is called chemiosmosis. We have previously used the word osmosis in discussing water transport, but here it refers to the flow of H plus across a membrane. From studying the structure of ATP synthase, scientists have learned how to flow H plus through this large enzyme. Has learned how to how the flow of H plus through this large enzyme powers ATP generation. ATP synthase is the multiple is the multi subunit complex with four main parts, each made up of multi polypeptides. Protons move one by one into binding sites on one of the parts, the rotor, causing it to spin in a way that catalyzes ATP protection from ADP and inorganic phosphate, figure 7.13. The flow of protons thus behaves somewhat like a rushing stream that turns a water wheel. ATP synthase is the smallest molecular rotary motor known in nature. How does the inner mitochondrial membrane, or the prokaryotic plasma membrane, generate and maintain H plus gradient that drives ATP synthesis by the ATP synthase protein complex? Establishing the H plus gradient uh, across the inner mitochondrial membrane is a major function of the electron transport chain, figure 7.14. The chain is an energy converter that uses exergonic flow of electrons from NADH and FADH2 to pump no. H plus across the membrane from the mitochondrial matrix into the intermembrane space. The H plus has a tendency to move back across the membrane, diffusing no. down its gradient, and the ATP synthesis are the only sites that provide a route through the membrane of H plus. As we described previously, the passage of H plus through ATP synthase uses the exergonic flow of H plus to drive the phosphorylation of ADP. Thus, the energy stored in an H plus gradient across a membrane couples the redox reactions of electron transport of the electron transport chain to ATP synthesis. An example of chemiosis. At this point, you may be wondering how the electron transport chain pumps hydrogen ions. Researchers have found that certain members of the electron transport chain accept and release protons H plus along three electrons. The aqueous solutions inside and surrounding the cell are already source of hydrogen plus. At certain steps along the chain, electron transfers cause H plus to be taken up and released into the surrounding solution. In eukaryotic cells, the electron carriers are spatially arranged in the inner mitochondrial membrane in such a way that H plus is accepted from mitochondrial matrix and deposited in the intermembrane space. The H plus gradient that results is referred to as a proton motive force, emphasizing the capacity of the gradient to perform work. The force drives H plus back across the membrane through the H plus channels provided by ATP synthesis. Synthesis. The general, in general terms, Chemiosmosis is an energy coupling 
mechanism that uses energy stored in the form of an H-plus gradient across a membrane to drive cellular work. In mitochondria, the energy for gradient formulation comes from the exergonic redox reactions, and ATP synthesis is the work performed. The chemiosmosis occurs elsewhere and in other variations. Chloroplasts use chemiosmosis to generate ATP during the photosynthesis. In these organelles, light, rather than chemical energy, drives both electron flow down the electron transport chain and the resulting H-plus gradient formation. Prokaryotes, as already mentioned, generate H-plus gradients across their plasma membranes. They then tap the proton motive force not only to make ATP inside the cell, but also to rotate their flagella to pump nutrients and waste products across the membrane. Because of its central importance to the energy conversions in prokaryotes and eukaryotes, chemiosmosis has helped unify the study of bioenergetics. Peter Mitchell was awarded the Nobel Prize in 1978 for originally proposing the chemiosmotic model an accounting of ATP production by cellular respiration. In the last few sections, we have looked rather closely at the key processes of cellular respiration. Now let's take a step back and remind ourselves of the overall function, harvesting the energy of glucose for ATP synthesis. During respiration, most energy flows in this sequence, glucose to NADH to electron transport chain to proton and motive force to ATP. We can do some bookkeeping to calculate the ATP profit when cellular respiration oxidizes a molecule of glucose to six molecules of carbon dioxide. The three main departments of the metabolic enterprise are, gly are glycolysis, the citric acid cycle, and the electron transport chain, which drives oxidative phosphorylation. Figure 7.15 gives a detailed accounting of the ATP yield per glucose molecule oxidized. The tally adds up to 4 ATP produced directly by substrate-level phosphorylation during glycolysis and the citric acid cycle to the many more molecules of ATP generated by oxidative phosphorylation. Each NADH that transfers a pair of electrons from glucose to the electron transport chain contributes enough to the proton motive force to generate a maximum of about 3 ATP. Why are the numbers in figure 17? 7.15 in exact? There are three reasons we cannot state an exact number of ATP molecules generated by the breakdown of one molecule of glucose. First, phosphorylations and redox reactions are not directly coupled to each other, so the ratio number of NADH molecules to the number of ATP molecules is not a whole number. We know that one NADH results in 10 H plus being transported out transported out across the inner mitochondrial membrane. With the exact number of H+, that must re-enter the mitochondrial matrix via ATP synthase is to, to generate one ATP has long been debated. Based on the experimental date, however, biochemists now agree that the most accurate number is 4H+. Therefore, a single molecule of NADH generates enough proton motive force for the synthesis of 2.5 in ATP. The citric acid cycle also supplies electrons to the electron transport chain via FADH2 
too, but since its electrons enter later in the chain, each molecule of this electron carrier is responsible for transport of only enough H plus for the synthesis of one and a half ATP. These numbers also take into account the slight energetic cost of moving the ATP formed in the mitochondrion out into the cytosol, where it will be used. Second, the ATP yield varies slightly, depending on the type of shuttle used to transport electrons from the cytosol into the mitochondrion. The mitochondrial inner membrane is impermeable to NADH, so NADH in the cytosol is segregated from the machinery of oxidative phosphorylation. The two electrons of NADH captured in glycolysis must be conveyed into the mitochondrion by one of several electron shuttle systems. Depending on the kind of shuttle in, the, in a particular cell type, the electrons are passed either to NAD plus or to FAD in the mitochondrial matrix. See figure 7.15. If the electrons are passed to FAD, as in brain cells, only about 1.5 ATP can result for each NADH that was originally generated in the cytosol. The electrons are passed to mitochondrial NAD+, as in liver cells and heart cells. The yield is about 2.5 ATP per NADH. A third variable that reduces the yield of ATP is the use of the proton motive force generated by the redox reactions of respiration to drive other kinds of work. For example, the proton motive force powers the mitochondrion's uptake a pyruvate from the cytosol. However, if all the proton motive force generated by an electron transport chain were used to drive ATP synthesis, one glucose molecule could generate a maximum of 28 ATP produced by oxidative phosphorylation, plus 4 ATP net from substrate level phosphorylation to give a total yield of about 32 ATP, or only about 30 ATP if the less efficient sh shuttle were functioning. We can now roughly estimate the efficiency of respiration, that is, the percentage of chemical energy in glucose that has been transferred to ATP. Recall that the complete oxidation of a mole of glucose releases about 686 kcals of energy under the standard conditions. Delta G equals negative 686 kcals per mole. Phosphorylation of ADP to form ATP stores at least 7.3 kcals per mole of ATP. Therefore, the efficiency of respiration is 7.3 kcals per mole of ATP times 32 moles of ATP per mole of glucose divided by the 686 kcal per mole of glucose, which equals 0.34. Thus, about 34% of the potential chemical energy in glucose has been transferred to ATP. The actual percentage is bound to vary, as delta G varies under different cellular conditions. Cellular respiration is remarkably efficient in its energy conversion. By comparison, the most efficient automobile converts only about 25% of the energy stored in gasoline to energy that moves the car. The rest of the energy stored in glucose is lost as heat. We humans use some of this heat to maintain our relatively high body temperature, 37 degrees Celsius, and we dissipate the rest through sweating and other cooling mechanisms. Surprisingly, however, it is beneficial under certain conditions to reduce the efficiency of cellular respiration. A remarkable adaption is shown by hibernating mammals, which overwinter in a state of inactivity and lowered metabolism. Although their internal body temperature is lower than normal, it, is, it still must be significantly higher than the external air temperature 
structure. One type of tissue, called brown fat, is made up of cells packed full of mitochondria. The inner mitochondrial membrane contains a channel protein, called the uncoupling protein, which allows protons to flow back down their concentration gradient without generating ATP. The activation of these proteins in hibernating mammals results in ongoing oxidation of stored fuel sources, fats, generated he generating heat without any ATP production. In the absence of such an adaption, the ATP level would build up to a point that cellular respiration would shut down due to regulatory mechanisms in the cell. In the scientific skills exercise, you can work with data in a different case where a decrease in metabolic efficiency in cells is used to generate heat.